This is the message from Connection Community Church for this Sunday, October 19th, 2014. Opposites distract, thriving versus surviving. <laughs> Your helmet does that whoosh thing. You're a cool toy. I love Woody, don't you? I love Woody. And Buzz. It's kind of an interesting scene here, the juxtaposition of these, of these two characters. Buzz. Well, Buzz is what we would today say is in survival mode. Just, just survive, just getting by, not really living life to the fullest at this moment. And then Woody. Now, Woody, on the other hand, is thriving. Even though he's kind of imprisoned in a little crate, he's thriving. He's alive, he's full of energy, full of possibility. That's our focus today, thriving versus surviving, as we continue our series, Opposites Distract. So good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, thank you so much for today. It's a day that you had in your mind's eye so long ago, and it is no accident that any one of us are here today. Your promise is that you have a purpose and a plan for our lives, not to harm us, but to give us a hope and a future. So as we talk about surviving versus thriving or thriving versus surviving, Lord, help us tune in this laser focus on what you want for us and for our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name and everybody gathered said, amen. amen. So today we are talking about opposites distract, thriving versus surviving. All right, let's talk about thriving on one hand. Thriving, flourishing, growing, developing, booming, blooming. How about that? On the other hand, surviving. Barely existing, remaining alive, enduring, keeping your head just above water, just getting by. So thriving versus surviving can be used to describe many aspects of our lives, our economic condition, our <clears throat> employment condition, our physical condition, our emotional condition, psychological condition, our spiritual condition, you know, the list goes on. At any one time, we may be at different places with our different conditions. Uh, uh, you might be thriving in one area and fairly surviving in the other. I know when we were in seminary at the same time with four kids, we were, we, were, we were surviving economically, <laughs> just above water. I think it was just our nostrils, above water there. Uh, spiritually, I'd say we were thriving, but kind of in our individual ways, because uh, uh, relationally, I would say, uh, we, some days we're barely surviving. It was a challenging time. You know, other were times in our lives, it's kind of been the opposite of that. Um, same is true with other aspects in our lives. It's you know, it's not possible for all aspects of your life to be in thrive mode. It seems much more common, though, for there to be a combination. Thriving some areas, maybe surviving other, other areas. A real challenge, though, is when it feels like every aspect of your life we're in survival mode. Uh, especially uh, when, when that includes our spiritual condition. You know, those times when we're basically just 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 hanging on, just kind of existing day to day, 
hour to hour, even minute to minute sometimes. Maybe you've been there one time or another. I know we have. Maybe you're there right now. There's a, a great story in the Bible in the New Testament. That's the second half of the Bible in a book called John. And we're focused on chapter 4 of John where Jesus talks with a Samaritan woman. The chapter tells us, it begins by saying that Jesus is returning to Galilee, and the fastest way to Galilee is to go through Samaria. We're told that Jesus stops at a well in a town called Sychar. Remember, it took a long, you know, it was a long journey from point A to point B. So he stopped by at a well um, to rest from his long walk. His disciples went on ahead into town to get food, and it was around noon. So we have some details here about what's going on. That's when a Samaritan woman came to the well to draw some water, and Jesus asked her for a drink. Let's take a look at what verse 9 says. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me? for a drink, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Okay, so we got a lot going on here. Jesus is overcoming a lot of barriers. Doesn't seem like it to us, but in his day and time, a lot of barriers. First, as this woman points out, Jesus is talking to a Samaritan. Uh, This is very unusual, as the Jews have been at odds with the Samaritans. I'll keep this as simple as possible. Due to due to the intermarriage they did with the uh, conquering Assyrians centuries before. Racial purity was very important to the Jews, and this segment of the Jewish population had intermarried a lot, and that was a real challenge for those who were not involved. In addition, it totally broke the rules for a rabbi, a teacher, to talk with a woman in public. Things were so strict that a rabbi wasn't even supposed to talk with his wife, daughter, or sister in public. For a rabbi to be seen with a woman in public would be the end of his reputation. And, And yet here we have Jesus, a rabbi, a teacher. He's there at the well talking with this Samaritan woman, breaking down barriers, loving the world in practice, not just theory, loving, as we said last week, loving his neighbor as himself. And so the Samaritan woman asked this question, how can you ask me for a drink? And when she asks this question, she opens the door to a conversation that Jesus, I'm sure, wanted to have with her. Well, that's a charism, but wouldn't he want to have a conversation with all of us? Well, this is how it goes. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God, and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock? And so Jesus here kind of gives new definition to living water, at least for this woman, because living water also meant a stream, uh, water from a stream, running water, fresh water. 
the water in this well is not spring water, it's not from a stream, and so she's probably a little confused because she's thinking, this isn't a stream, what are you, what are you talking about? Um, why talk of living spring water when we're here at the well? The, and by the way, this well was good enough for Jacob, the, the one who dug the well years ago, one of the historic, iconic figures in the Jewish tradition, why are you talking about living water? Why isn't this water good enough for you? It was good enough for him, good enough for us. Well, Jesus goes on to talk to her about when you drink the living water from the well again, you'll continue to be thirsty. But if you drink from my living water, you will never thirst again. The water that comes from Jesus is, uh, will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus uses this idea of living water quenching our spiritual thirst in several places in Scripture, but we also find it in the Old Testament, the first part of the Bible. There's um, a, a book in the Bible called Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet. Listen to what Isaiah says. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Also in Psalm 42, the writer shares with us his thirst for the living God. As a deer longs for flowing streams, so my soul thirsts for you, O God. Say the rest with me. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. So these are just a couple examples. There are more, but you get the point. Jesus carries on this tradition that we find here, this tradition of using this metaphor of water to represent the thriving spiritual life that God offers and that Jesus now offers. Well, this woman at the well doesn't catch the metaphor. Maybe she was just taken off guard by Jesus, the rabbi, having a conversation with her. And she asks she asks for more of this water that Jesus offers so she won't get thirsty and have to keep coming back to the well. Jesus expounds a bit. He shifts gears, but he's still on the same topic when he tells her this. He tells her to call her husband and have him come back with her. She replies that she has no husband. Jesus says, well, she's right. She doesn't have a husband. She's had five, and in fact, the man that she's with at the time isn't her husband. Well, as a result of this comment, she recognizes that Jesus is some kind of prophet, like he knows something about her, and that just kind of takes her aback, and that continues the conversation between Jesus and this woman. They talk about Samaritan worship versus Jewish worship. And then in, in verse 25, she says that she knows, she understands that the Messiah is coming, and when he does, he will explain everything. And then that's when Jesus says, well, I am the Messiah. I am the Messiah. So again, we have this interesting exchange. Basically, what Jesus is pointing out to her is that she has been surviving. Now, he doesn't use that language, but that's basically what he's saying. She's thirsty really thirsty, not, not necessarily for water, but for relationship. Relationship with other people, but more importantly, relationship 
with God. She's been living in survival mode as she has compromised herself and her integrity. That's what happens when we, when we give God less than our best, less than what God would call us to give. In her case, she's been looking for love in all the wrong places. She's been married five times, and now she's just living with a guy. This ain't working. It's not working for her, this whole uh, relationship thing. It's just not working. Well, a few moments ago, we said that the woman was at the well at noontime. This was not the usual time to get water at noon. They usually came early in the morning or um, in the evening because it was cooler. Noon was the hottest point during the day. As we did some prep for this message, we read that some biblical scholars believe that she was there at that time because she was ostracized by other women in the community, that this was really the only time that she could go out and get water without feeling humiliated. In fact, one scholar uh, that we read said that this well, this Jacob's well, was really outside of the town of Sychar, that there was a well in Sychar, but it was outside. She might have even walked a half a mile to get to the well to avoid this humiliation. Just a thought, but it could be true. Now, in her conversation, though, think about this. She gets to the well, and there he is. In her conversation with this man, this Jewish man, a rabbi, who speaks to her, the conversation changed her. It changed her. He spoke truth about her life, not in a condemning way, but in a loving way. This stranger spoke to her as if he cared for her, which he did, offering her water, new life, salvation, offering her love, real love, not the love that she's getting from relationships that are out of the will of God, but this relationship with the one, only one, who can completely quench her thirst and love her unconditionally, the love that Jesus brings. Now we're told that the woman left her water jar and kind of ran off without her jar and went back to her town tell the people to come and see this man who, who knew everything about her, she says. Everything about whatever she, what she ever did. What they heard, Scripture tells us, was her wondering if this could be the Messiah. Jesus had told her he was, but she's chewing on that. She's, that's what the people are wondering. That's what they hear, her wondering if she's the Messiah. What they saw in her was life new life. As Carrie said, she was different. She was transformed. She was thriving. So much so that they followed her back. Can you believe that? They followed her back. This woman, this outcast, who apparently had no friends, such that she had to go fetch water alone, 
when no one else is at the well, the hottest part of the day, this woman who's living in survival mode goes back to town, shares with the people who have ostracized her, shares with them a very, very brief summary of her one-on-one encounter with Jesus, and these people who have shunned her follow her out to meet the Messiah. Wow. And, and, And when they saw him, they asked if he might stay a couple more days, long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. And then they told her that they now believed, not just because of what she had told them, but because they'd heard it for themselves and they knew he is the Savior of the world. Isn't that just an incredible series of events? It's remarkable. When I think about that, I think about how God used this woman to help transform lives. Her brokenness, her you know, the way she was, and Jesus loved her so much, came into her life, and then God used her for his glory. And that's what God does with each one of us. We're not like that, is it Buzz? Which one is it? Buzz. Buzz, you know, oh, I don't have any use. That's a lie. That's just lies being poured into your head. That's not the truth. Every one of us has potential and can be used by God. So this woman, far from God, has this encounter and everything changes. Those who had nothing to do with her now are following her and now they meet Jesus and they believe. I mean, this is big stuff. And they're saved. Absolutely incredible. And yet, Isn't that what happens to us when we meet Jesus? When we have an encounter with Jesus, whether it's a lightning bolt or whether it's just this little gradual, you know, little more, little more, little more, we're changed too. We are changed. Something shifts in us. Something deep down inside, and we go from surviving and sometimes barely surviving to thriving. It's really hard to, um, when we're in the survival mode, if Jesus enters our heart and if we depend on him, we can't just stay there because it's like, wow, Jesus, we can't keep it in. It's so hard to keep that good news in, isn't it? So when something good happens in our lives and and we know that Jesus is at the root of it, which he is, this woman didn't have anybody to talk to. She didn't have friends. Like, I would go to my, you know, my family, my small group, my other friends, and like, hey, here's some really good news. She didn't have that. But she was going to explode if she didn't tell somebody. She told everybody, even though she took a risk, and she still told everybody. And they listen and they follow, and their lives are changed too because of Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One. So here's the question of the day. What about you? Thriving or surviving? We've been both places. 
You know, there's times in our marriage where we were, as I said before, in very much in survival mode, getting by, enduring, just keeping our head above water. Individually, I was in, the, in, in, in survival mode when, back when I was about 40, uh, uh, emotionally, psychologically, hanging on. Uh, I think it was probably what you'd call a midlife crisis. Um, there was another time spiritually where I kind of felt I was in the wilderness, not the biblical wilderness of a desert, but a wilderness where North American wilderness was a lot of um, trees and shrubbery and undergrowth and overgrowth, and I couldn't find the path. You know what I'm talking about? I'm looking for the path. God, help show me the path where am I supposed to go. And for two years, I'm searching for this path, and, and I'm not finding it, and uh, waiting, trying to stay faithful to what I know God's calling me to do while I'm looking for this path, and uh, continue to do the spiritual things I'd been doing, maybe not with the same gusto, but still trying, but in the process, just barely surviving, just getting by, just day to day, looking for that path. Those times are pretty scary when they're extended, aren't they? You know, we knew Jesus, but we weren't as close to Jesus as we could have been and had been in previous times. But during that time particularly, we gave a little more of ourselves to Jesus. A little more, a little more, a little more. Not, you know, it wasn't like one day, in the, but over time, a little more. A little more of our time. A little more of our minds, <coughs> our thoughts. A little more of our souls. And the more we get, a little more of our relationship with one another a little more of our money, which we were continually reminded that it wasn't ours anyway, and our stuff, and our property, and, you know, we were giving, and then tithing, and then more than tithing, and the more and more of ourselves that we gave to Jesus, the more we went from surviving to thriving. Surviving to thriving. All right, so we're going to keep it real. We're not like always thriving, and there's certain portions of our lives, as Alan said, where we're surviving, and other portions in our lives where we're thriving. But those days are less and less these days. Uh, the more and more we continue to give ourselves to Christ. Less thriving, more surviving. I mean, less surviving, more thriving. So... Let me ask you again, what about you? What about you? Are you, are you letting the opposites distract? Uh, are you thriving, merely surviving? Are you just existing, barely alive, keeping your head above water, just getting by? Are you flourishing, growing, developing, as we say, booming and blooming? Is your soul dry? Are you thirsty for God? Thirsty for God's love? Do you need some living water? Some of what Jesus has to offer, maybe for the first time? Or maybe you need a refill? <laughs> what areas are you merely surviving in? And, and what would Jesus speak into that area of your life? And so, 
when that happens to me, when I'm in that survival mode in this one place, you know, I realize that I just need to open myself up a little more to Jesus. Don't carry you like you're a pastor. I'm just like, we're like you. We're like you. You know, struggle, joy, challenges, top of the mountain. I mean, it's, it's all the same. We're in this together. But a good way to start is to simply say, okay, here I am, Lord. Now that, that's a bold prayer in itself. Here I am, Lord. Four words, bold. But we challenge you to say it. Here I am, Lord. Allow Jesus to have a little bit more of you. Give him a little bit more of your mind as you read scripture. Give him a little bit more of your heart as you pray. Give him a little bit more of your soul as you seek God for guidance. Not in just the big things, but in the every single day things. Give him a little more of your stuff your wallet. Trust God more. Allow him to work in your life and to take down the barriers that we put there. God does not put them there. We put them there. You know, I'm, I'm reminded when I'm really, really thirsty and I take a drink of water, you know how it just feels like it's going down and it feels so fresh? and so wonderful. I love that, that feeling of that quenching of thirst. But as many bottles of water as I drink, my thirst will never be quenched in that kind of water. I will always be thirsty again. But with Jesus, when I say, okay, come on in, guide me, fill me, that is an example of how we will always be our thirst will always be quenched when we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so we're going to just take um, a minute or two and ask Jesus um, to help us identify some areas in our lives where we're surviving and maybe the areas in our lives where we're thriving. And, and you know, for the thriving areas, you can say thanks. <laughs> But for the surviving areas, and we all have them, every single one of us has an area where we're just sort of surviving, talk to God about that and allow God to kind of guide you into what it might take to go from survive to thrive. Because that's what he wants for us, isn't it? During this time, Barry's going to play a little music. Uh, we're, it's your time to sit in your seat, talk to God. You can come up on the steps, get on your knees. God loves that. You can go back in the prayer corner. There are people there who will pray with you about this. This is really important time. I would encourage none of us to take it lightly. Here I am, Lord. Here's where I'm surviving. Help me move from that to thriving. And then we'll close with a song. All right? Let's go to God one-on-one -on -one in prayer. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church, please visit our website at connectioncc.org or on Facebook 
at facebook.com slash connectioncc. You can also contact our church office at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.